Hello and welcome to the 100th episode of The Art of Product. So for this episode, Derek and I wanted to do something a little bit different. So we have asked a number of our previous guests to come back on the podcast and update us on how they're doing. One of the great things about having a podcast is being able to interview interesting people. And so we figured we'd have them back and see what's going on in their lives. So we'll get that started right away. And I hope you enjoy it. So yeah, I don't really have a, a strong plan for this other than just catching up and seeing what you're up, you're up to. I would love to. So what am I up to these days? I was running a growth agency, uh, bellcurve.com, in realizing that running agency is not rewarding and stressful and not really the type of business that is easy to sell. We thought... Let's just take those learnings and purpose them for a similar business, but one that is a true product, not a sort of service agency type business. And so that's exactly what we did. And we made demandcurve.com. And so now we're training companies how to do what it is we were doing when we actually had the agency. Hmm. And it's a bit more productized, right? Because we can teach you. We can delegate the teaching to instructors. We can make sure they're effective. And it's more rewarding. And when we teach people now, they feel really empowered. Whereas before with the agency, they're like, great, double, double the success next month or we're dropping it. You know, like the dynamic emotionally is very different. And so when we pivoted to this demandcurve.com play, we also applied to YC, uh, Y Combinator, and we got in. Oh, no way. Yeah. And so that was the pivot that set us on this new trajectory. Very cool. Has the program started yet? Yeah, it started. It's actually been, we've been testing it quietly for about half a year. And so we, we, we hardened the curriculum to make sure it's effective. And now we're training companies. I think about a third of our students are YC companies and then the rest just find out about us across the web. And so it's really rewarding. It's really fun. That's awesome. So is Bell Curve still doing work? Or are you just, did you just step away from it, the day-to-day of it? So for the time being, we're still taking leads, but then we're redirecting them to people we trust. Hmm. And so we still want that optionality of being able to revisit it. And we've done a lot with it. It has a history behind it, so we don't want to fully abandon it. But at the moment, its greatest value add is just lending credibility to Demand Curve because of all the clients we had there, all the testimonials. And it, it's effective when we're pitching people demand curve to say, we're distilling the learnings we had from the agency. And all that experience can now be yours, which is absolutely true. And so we're not going to fully shut it down, but for the time being, we're not accepting new clients. Very cool. And as, as Y Combinator running already, are you doing it currently? Yeah, there's only two weeks left. What, what's interesting is we applied to them with this vision of taking this demand curve thing where we train companies in growth mm-hmm. and pivoting it a little bit and training individuals in growth and making like the Lambda school of marketing. Mm-hmm. So we can train people to become growth marketers as part of their career, people who are previously, you know, doing anything. And in the process, we help them get hired. And like that just doubles down on Aligning ourselves with the sort of happiness and success of the students or clients, because like when we train them and get them hired, they are so happy and we've had such a material impact on them 
it, it's, it's very rewarding. That's great. And was Y Combinator an interesting experience? So then there's two or three components. There's like three major components. One is the advice leading up to demo day and the demo day experience, which is the best opportunity a company can ever have for creating a feeding frenzy uh, from investors toward you. There's just nothing like it. So if you need to raise funding, it is unparalleled. The second component is access to the community. And so in our particular case, we have a business that benefits a lot from accessing hundreds of thousands of YC founders because we train founders in how to do growth. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's very beneficial from that angle. And there's also this internal forum within YC where we can chat with each other. And that's also been super constructive. And then a third angle is the advice. The third component is the advice. So you get advice from the YC partners. And then there are like dinners and events they throw. The YC partners are legitimately excellent because they've just pattern matched across so many hundreds of founders that they've worked with and seen what worked for them that they're able to say, okay, well, I've seen this a hundred times and here's how I pattern match onto you. This is what you should be doing for sales, marketing, hiring, building your company, product, everything. It is so high leverage to have a one hour phone call or 40 minute phone call with a YC partner. And the events are also very good. They bring in the best people they can. Um, they keep them tight and concise and they're very constructive. Uh, it is quite a commitment, I would say. Like it takes a lot of time. It, it's, it's, it's um, in some ways you're battling the distraction of YC while trying to build your startup. And ostensibly they're kind of the same thing. Like you do YC to help accelerate the pace of your startup, but the events take a lot of time. You have to go down to Mountain View. I think they might be trying to come up to, to SF soon to make it easier. But yeah, it, it's a big time commitment. Mm, I believe it. So the program is almost wrapped up and you have this sort of new thing going. So like, what's, what's next? We've come to realize like our core, like the magnet for everything else we're going to build, all our streams of revenue is based off our brand's credibility and my individual credibility and that of my team. And so if, if we are first and foremost thought of as say the most legitimate people in growth or marketing, the question is how do we pivot that? How do we leverage that trust to then launch products? And which products could we launch that are the least risk, highest ROI, and also like synergistic, complementary to the other things we're doing? And so this is my long way of saying, we're going to keep building products for to solve marketing problems. So maybe a job board, uh, maybe a placement program for like senior people who want to get placed elsewhere. And we're going to try to be the one-stop shop for if you need growth marketing in any way, advice, training, introductions, anything, uh, we want to be that company. So that, that's our current vision. Well, that sounds good. Anything else going on in your life you want to talk about before we wrap up? Sure. I would say what else? Well, I'll, I'll be honest. The writing stuff at Jillian.com takes up like a huge... There's a lot of mental overhead there. So like mm-hmm. in any given day, a couple hours of time goes to thinking about that. And maybe not a couple hours, but... And certainly my weekends are consumed by it. And so that is a big part of my life. And I think every time I release a handbook on Jillian.com where I go deep into a new topic... Uh, I'm more excited to do the next one. 
And I think part of that is the feedback loop between releasing something and seeing people enjoy it and asking for feedback on it. So uh, I'm very much enjoying writing stuff at Jillian.com. And um, that's probably the most satisfying thing that I do. And I will keep doing it. Nice. I saw you have a a writing guy that just came out. So we, we can definitely link that up. Congrats on publishing that. Thank you, sir. Yeah, we'll see if it takes off like the building muscle guide I made. Quick story on that is... I've written three guides now, writing, building muscle, and growth. Uh, but only one took off in SEO. And it, at no point was that calculated on my part. And so it gets like hundreds of thousands of people from uh, per year from uh, Google, just organically. And so now I'm like, hmm, that came... Because it came out of the blue. Like It never did. And then there was this SEO update in like January 2019. And just something snapped. And like Google now loves the, loves the guide. And I'm like, oh, this is interesting. I guess I guess if I just keep creating guides over time, some are going to hit if they're high quality. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe that's a cool source of traffic that I had never really had before. Well, awesome. I, uh, I wish you luck. I hope everything goes well. And thanks for coming by. Beautiful. Uh, likewise. Thanks for having me. Thanks, dude. Take care. Peace. All right. Our next person we're talking to that we're going back in the time machine is Mr. Jason Cohen. How's it going, Jason? Good. Uh, glad you're coming back. Your episode, uh, which was 69 back in December of 2018, was uh, quite popular. People were really into it. So it's nice to have you back on here. It's nice. Just telling the truth is usually popular. Yes. And I appreciate that. Like, yeah, you're, you're not, uh, you talk about the good and the bad. Yeah. I think it's kind of essential. You and I were sort of talking before the call. And mm-hmm. I was, as I was listening back to this episode to get, to get ready, I was like, wow, I was really afraid to launch because I was convinced that everyone was going to kind of hate us because there were bugs and the product was unstable and all this. And then a few months later, we did anyway. And uh, it was fine. And in fact, people were like way more gracious and forgiving than I expected them to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, When you're honest about what kind of company you are, then people will be gracious and forgiving because they know, oh, it's just a couple people and they're trying to make this work. And a lot of people get that and want to support that. And uh, I mean, sure, there's a certain bar you have to still cross of quality. And I don't know, maybe in some cases, customer service, whatever it is, just so it's not just garbage. Sure. But then people are rooting for you, really. And uh, ironically, sometimes people say, well, I want to pretend to be a big company so I can get uh, customers. But then those customers who think you're bigger because you fooled them, maybe you did, probably not, but you did. When they expect certain things, and you're not going to deliver that, and then they won't be um, they won't be supportive because that's not the that's not the expectation you set. So that that uh, that honesty and like this is how big we are, this is what we're trying to do, actually helps garner that. And then at some point, you get too big for that, and you lose it. I remember a WP Engine where that happened, and it was like, hey, we don't get the benefit of the doubt anymore, and we don't get the oh, it's okay, I know it's just you guys uh, anymore. We get the okay, look. This should never break ever. <laughs> like, oh, when, we, when, when did that become the expectation? Mm-hmm. So it happens. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, we, I would say we have definitely leaned into the, hey, we are three people uh, kind of things. Like we, we make sure we don't try to hide that. And we, we try to actually quite the opposite, kind of almost like put in people's faces. Like here's a picture of us in our quote unquote office, which is Joel's mm-hmm. second bedroom. Uh, this right. is Tuple headquarters. Yeah, it works. Yeah, it does. And like people have just said, like, uh, we're rooting for you. Like, I want this to succeed. Like, I can't use it right now, but I hope it, I hope it works great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of the opposite. I expected, I was picturing this mob of insanely uh, discerning and demanding customers who were going to be turned off by all our problems. And I found like quite the opposite. Well, then you should read Hacker News less often. 
Yeah, actually, I have I've been reading it less and less every week, I would say. I'm almost never looking at it anymore. <laughs> um, and sometimes I get emails every once in a while from someone and it's that kind of nasty thing where like, how dare you mm. charge this for that or something. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that's the ordinary developer. But like, it's such a rare occurrence now that it's, it's kind of not a big deal. That's great. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm having a good time. But what, uh, what have you been up to since December? <laughs> Just summarize your whole last nine months. Well, a lot. I, the single biggest thing that we did at WP Engine um, since then is we purchased one of our competitors, Flywheel. Um, about 200 people and uh, about almost 30,000 customers. A lot of them are in Omaha, and then they have some distributed folks. So it's a lot. So of course that was a big deal. And there was lots to do for that deal to be done, and then afterwards there was a lot to do for um, meeting everyone and gathering everyone together and starting to talk about what things are separate and what things we might want to integrate and what kind of timeline and just all the things that you do, and really taking the time to to ask how how to make this go right. Now WP Engine has made a couple other acquisitions, but not of that size. And those went really well in terms of culture, in terms of the excitement of the people to stay. Um, in fact, everybody at all of the companies that we purchased so far have stayed. Now, someday someone's going to leave. So like, I'm not trying to say that's the, that's the goal forever, but it does point out that like, we didn't just screw it up or people weren't just frustrated or I don't know, like we didn't violently screw it up. Like it's generally that that, that went well. Now, of course, Flywheel, again, much bigger situation, so it's different. But so really trying to take a lot of time and attention on uh, the culture the um, and, and working with people around what's what's next. Because um, we really want to lean into what Flywheel um, had been doing, and we want to continue doing that and even hire more and hire in Omaha, where, where again, most of the company is. Um, they're known as a like a really terrific company in Omaha in terms of quality of life and the kind of people and the kind of culture and what it does for the city. And so we, again, want to lean into that and do that more. So just making that really clear and setting up plans for that so that people are excited that we want to continue the mission in that sense. Of course, it takes a lot of work to do that. So that's been that's, that's been like a major occupier of time uh, in, in the last uh, maybe four or five months. It's, it's striking to me how often I hear people that are working on larger organizations, culture becomes such a thing they're thinking about all the time versus smaller companies it's like let's not die or let's focus on customer acquisition or this or that and then i think you hit a certain level and it's like the only way we're going to succeed is if we can kind of all get on the same page in a in a grand way and, and culture is kind of the operating system for that is that a, a fair characterization i would say it a little differently i would say you know a lot of people don't think of it but nowadays it's more common which is good what i would say is uh, some people say you should think of culture from the very beginning i actually agree with what you just said which is we don't have time for that. It's kind of awkward to think of values when it's just two of us. So I actually agree with you that early on, that's not necessarily, it's okay to do. I don't think it's bad to do, but also it's okay not to. What happens is you get to a point where, and I would say this is around 20 to 30 people where you look around and say, you know, if we don't decide what kind of people we're hiring, then we won't hire that kind of people. And if we do, it'll be by accident. So it's not so much that we need an operating system for the business, like like an operating manual, because to me, culture is not operating procedures. That's different. And, it's useful, and as you get bigger, they're more useful. But uh, it's not that. It's values. It's what's important. It's the things that even if the decision's hard, well, especially when the decision is hard, how do you make it? 
Or if there's option A, in which we lose money or the brand is worse or slower, you know, something that's that's clearly worse for the company, how do when do we still choose to do it because it's right? Because it's who we are, it's what we stand for. It's bigger than whether we made a little bit more money this month. It's bigger than whether that might hurt our brand to do that, if it's the right thing. So that question of what is the right thing, which is not as an operating procedure, because it can't tell you what to do in every situation. That's not really the thing that does that is the operating procedure, right? And even so, it should probably be humans thinking about stuff, right? But anyway, toward the operating manual, as it were. Um, but culture and value is not that. So values is what is these in, in, inalienable things that we all are going to agree on. And culture is the output of living that and honoring that, actually doing that, not just being on the wall. So you get to a point where you're like, well, what are they? <laughs> because maybe there's decisions we need to make that way. But more to the point, again, hiring. How do we get from where we like, how do we know the 30 second hire will be aligned to that? How do we know that? Are we asking questions in the interview for that? Are we holding existing people to account for that? Maybe there's a couple of people who aren't and just by accident aren't that because we didn't define it. And we don't even know how to discern that or decide that or talk about that or talk to them about that or work with them to improve on that or even decide that they're not a fit here, even though they're great at their job, if they're not good at that, they still can't be here. How can we do that if we haven't written down what it is, right? Otherwise, it's just pure personal bias only. You're going to have a culture no matter what. And the question is, did you decide what it was? And there's some break point in that like 15 to 30 person zone where you realize, or you might realize, oh, we can't sort of skate by without knowing that anymore, or, or, or we won't be controlling what the culture is. So you, again, you can do that when there's two people. There's no, pro- no problem with that. But maybe you don't know yet, and it's kind of early, and like you said, trying not to die. So that's okay. But at some point, it's not okay. Um, you'll end up with just a, whatever you end up with, and <laughs> you didn't plan, and people won't fit necessarily, and it's hard to even know that. I mean, at scale, if you care about culture, yeah, you're going to have to talk about it all the time because uh, it's the kind of thing that degrades and washes away into a gray nothing if you don't. And there's things you do all the time or daily or in meetings or monthly or weekly or quarterly to reinforce that stuff. But as you grow and things change, you're going to have to keep adding stuff to that for it to still be true or even stronger than it's ever been, or else it'll just sort of uh, go away. You know, Then you have your second location if, if you have offices, and then that's a different kind of thing. How you bring the torch there is different than adding another person in another location. You might say distributed teams are different. Exactly. Distributed teams will tell you that a lot of times bringing the team together occasionally is absolutely critical for people having certain kinds of relationships and to instill that culture. So in a distributed sense, um, exactly like it's also hard, but in a different way. Um, How do you make it so that the sales team doesn't have a different culture than the engineering team, even though they are different personalities often and different types of work and this kind of thing? That, but that becomes more of an issue when there's 100 people in sales and 100 people in engineering, for example. Then that, that's a, hard, a different, different challenge than when there's just this, a sort of entrepreneurial salesperson sitting right next to an entrepreneurial um, uh, you know, engineer, and that's the whole company. It's a lot easier for that to be the case or, or any differences to be just gentle ribbing of, of you know, the rapport that we have. It's just not the same thing when there's, when there's uh, you know, when it's bigger. So just it changes, in other words, what has to be done or new things have to be done naturally. So leaders had better be constantly asking that and looking at that because new things are going to be needed. 
Is there any chance of you uh, starting a Jason Talks About How to Build Companies podcast someday? Um, that'd be really good. I don't have time right now, but I think uh, podcasting is obviously uh, what's what's happening now. Um, mm-hmm. It's what vlogging was when I started blogging. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it feels unfair to ask you that considering how many hundreds of posts you've written on the blog. Yeah, that'd be fun. But uh, I just don't have time and setups and the and, and editing and the promotion and I don't know. Hmm. Well, if, if I sent you the microphone and hired the editor, maybe I could get you to someday. Yeah. Also, questions are good, right? Like, oh, I have to think of topics. Like, it's, yeah, it's yeah. not you prompted and then go off on it. Totally. That's the, being a podcast guest is like the best gig in the, in the universe, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's like, here's a prompt. Please go. Yeah. Spew, spew some knowledge or just ramble. Whatever feels good. <laughs> right. Awesome. Just, just uh, one last thing I'm curious about before I let you go is, um, how did the flywheel acquisition talks start? Was there like a, was it just like this, like casual? Hey, maybe we should talk about, you know, buying you one day. Um. So I, I mean, sometimes those kind of things are are actually not. I'm actually not at liberty to talk about. I'm very. Okay. I, I love being honest about whatever uh, involves me, uh, <laughs> only. But. Um, I mean, there's all kinds of reasons why people do that. I, I feel like I'm si- I'm going to sidestep, but try to still provide value um, sure. <laughs> to the question, which yeah. is which is kind of more about like how do those things happen in general. I think the most common way, which was not this time, but the, the, the most common way is you start working with a company where an, an acquisition is one way that you could work better together, but you start with some other way, reselling a thing and some other kind of partnership like that. Um, that's often how it works, and in fact. One of my other startups, that's uh, that's that's what happened. We started building something for this company, and eventually they said, wait, you could sell this to our competitors too, right? And we said, yes. And they said, ah, we don't want you to do that. And we said, oh, well, here's how you fix that problem, right? So, you know, that kind of thing um, is not uncommon. Usually, though, what happens is the acquirer has some sort of corporate strategy. That's their next three, five-year strategy type of thing. And the acquisition allows them to accelerate or de-risk that strategy. In other words, an acquisition is very rarely to create a new strategy or to go in a new direction. It's that there is a strategy. Now, the strategy might be to go in a new direction, and an acquisition is a way to do that faster again. But anyway, there's there's some strategy. And it's like, oh, wow, by acquiring this company, we could vastly speed up what it would take for us to do that. Um, or de-risk, like, well, we could try to do that, but would we be successful? I don't know, but here's a company already being successful, therefore it's de-risking to just acquire so, someone who's already being successful there. So uh, in the case of a competitor like Flywheel was, that's a pretty easy one for us because sort of by definition it's going to be, well, it's not always strategically aligned, but if the culture is a fit so that, um, that that's not going to be a, like the grinding of gears, and if the general strategy of how do we get customers, what's our attitude toward customers, what's our attitude toward what's important in the market, if that's generally aligned, then it's probably going to make sense. So that's sort of some of the mindset of like, why did it make sense for WP Engine? Um, so if, if you're wanting to sell someday, or if you're wanting to sell to a particular company, then thinking it from their point of view is a good way to do it because then you can position yourselves or position the product or create a partnership that maybe is more likely to lead that way by asking what is that company strategy? And by the way, you can ask them to, 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 for them to tell you what it is, <laughs> or maybe you have to guess, but you might be able to ask them. If they're a public company, they often state what it is. So that's nice. Anyway, you can find out what is that and then in what way would we drastically like, materially accelerate or de-risk 
them getting their own strategy as opposed to sometimes founders say like, oh, you know, this big company could enter this new market or, and, and, or this company could do this. And if, again, if that's not aligned with their strategy, it doesn't matter. Even if, even if you're right, that's kind of interesting. It's not going to happen probably. So occasionally you get a weird thing like Google likes to just be in lots of different areas in terms of it being um, alphabet. I guess Google doesn't, but alphabet does. But then you have to be like a Nest or a, or a self-driving car thing to be interesting. So I mean, there's those exceptions. But I mean, the normal, hey, I bootstrap this company or hey, I have a small company and we make 100 grand a year, a million dollars a year, $10 million a year, maybe $100 million a year, that kind of a range, not a Waze or something, not a YouTube, that kind of thing. Then then what's the most likely way I get acquired? I'm just saying that that's a common, you know, that, that's a common path. Um, as for selling, why sell? I think, um, I think... What happens a lot to founders, and I've said this before in, in uh, presentations, so it's not, or I, I mean, in you know, in talks, so it's not. Um, I'm not trying to imply this is the flywheel situation at all, but rather this is what I think is common, and I've said before that this is common is is uh, just as you said before, we're trying so hard to not die. They're not really thinking about stuff like, uh, am I having fun? Because the answer is no. Right? <laughs> it's not fun. It's really hard. Like, there's fun aspects. There's fun elements. But no, it's just it's just incredibly hard. Is as actually the truth. So then it's five years in or three years in, seven years in. It depends. And you're like, God damn, like this sucks actually. And you kind of end up building a company that may be successful, but also you don't want to do it. And uh, this is where I got in my previous company, Smart Bear. I got to this place of essentially burnout. You know, language you could use for this, burnout's maybe a good one. But it was like by accident. Like I didn't plan, who plans on being burned out in a few years and have a successful company? Like nobody. <laughs> so obviously it's, it's by accident and also not what you wanted. So that's bad. So how do you actually build the job that you want eventually? Like not on day one, like right now you're not in that position yet, right? Um, but you will be, and so maybe now's not the time, but as you start to hire the 10th person or or maybe just that it's a couple of years in or something, you start saying like, what would I really want to do? Maybe I am already doing what I want to do. Perfect, to keep going. <laughs> if the answer is no, it's not. And, if you're, and hopefully you ask yourself that maybe twice a year or something. Um, am I still having fun? enough or is this, this is still really what I want if the answer is no you have to go oh okay well there's all kinds of choices one is to leave one is to let your partners uh, continue to run it one is to sell it to your employees one is to raise money one is to sell it completely one I mean there's uh, one is to hire a different person to run it and sort of take that um that sort of pro and con of like well someone else is running my business but on the other hand maybe I'm actually happy happier and maybe I'm, I'm ready for that. I mean, there's a mil I'm not even listing all the choices. The point is there's like lots and lots of options, but frequently um, I find that founders don't ever ask it at all and don't consider any of the options at all. And then end up building like one that they don't like. And that's what I would say is bad idea. <laughs> in terms of selling the company, like that's a bad reason to sell. And yet a lot of people get in that. So, but that's, that's like preventable. And on the, on the buy side, that's that's often the case. So, you know, again, I'm not trying to imply specifically about Flywheel at all. Um, and that actually is not the case. Uh, the burnout is actually not the case with Flywheel. Like, hopefully it's okay to say that because just to say it's not a negative. But that is a really common case. I think it's a pretty useful um, quasi answer. Yeah, <laughs> sure. So, so one thing I want to thank you for actually is you have a post uh, on your blog. And the gist is sort of you're doing a good job if you're enjoying the journey. And so you talked about making sure, like checking in and making sure you're having a good time. And so we actually added this to our retro questions that we do most weeks. And so like, how can we enjoy the journey more? 
like how are we feeling are we struggling with anything how can we have like more fun with this so nice. uh, i think that's been useful for us and i wanted to thank you for that that idea cool awesome well hey thanks for coming on i don't want to take too much of your time uh, it was great to catch up again it, yeah it was and congratulations on all your success that's really fun thank you We're, i i i'm having a good time it's, it's working the fun part is still very active so sweet it keeps going yeah <laughs> yay awesome all right take care all right, our next uh, guest we're checking in with is Mr. Rob Walling. Welcome, Rob. Gentlemen, thanks for having me back. Totally. Thanks for uh, being on before and uh, now, too. Absolutely. Congratulations on 100 episodes. That is quite a milestone. It's impressive. Thank you. Yeah, it feels good, especially at our um, semi-slacker pace of taking off weeks whenever we want to. We finally made it. <laughs> That's the beauty, though, is you guys, you're doing a podcast. It's for fun, right? It's not like it's a business, so it's, you know, it's something you can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I think it sits at that intersection. It's it's fun, but also it has business benefits. So we try to be semi regular with it. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. How's Tiny Seed going? It's good, man. We're about two and a half months into the first batch, um, and it's like everything. I keep telling people this. It's like everything I wanted it to be. You know, which is pretty rare. It's pretty rare for a a, a new startup. I'll say to to feel that good. Normally you get in six months and rubber meets the road and you're like, boy, this is terrible. But um, I've been really enjoying it. Just working with founders. It's like ambitious, motivated founders who are trying to, you know, trying to build interesting things. What what could be more fun than that? It does sound fun. And I think you, you may have even described it this way in the past, but like you're getting to participate in the building process, but it's not on you at the end of the day. It's not That's all right. on your shoulders. Yeah. It's, there's a lot of vicarious, you can live vicariously through other people and be like, oh, I've seen, you know, either I've encountered this or I've, I've seen this encountered in other startups. And here's, here's a way I would tr- think about tackling it. And then they go away and they come back a week later and they've like done it. You know, they implemented all the stuff and look, it worked. And it's like, all I had to do was, you know, make an intro or do a 30 minute call. It's just, it's more high leverage and it's, I don't know, I, I'm enjoying it. I gotta be You get honest. all the fun parts without all the stress of actually <laughs> doing the implementation. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Now it might, you know, some folks have, when I've had this conversation, they, they say, you know, is this going to cut both ways? Are you going to get a year or two, three into it and really be distant from it and feel like you want to get back into the trenches, you know, which, which could happen. I don't think it will, but it's, it's obviously a, you know, not getting into the day-to-day work. That could be a danger of it. Yeah. I mean, giving advice is kind of the most fun thing ever. So I'd be surprised if you wanted to stop. Yeah. Yeah. And I try, I mean, you know me, I try not to give advice as much as like, what are our options here? Let's think through what have other people, you know what I mean? But yeah, no, just having smart, like interesting conversations with smart, motivated people about how to make their business better. I mean, that I literally have been doing that for free for 20 years. You know what I mean? So like to be able to give people money and mentorship and guidance, and then be able to also do that is like, is super fun. I mean, Derek and I meet up probably about once a month. We sit in front of whiteboard for two, three hours. And we'll talk about his stuff. Sometimes we were talking about level, we were talking about some microconf things, you know, last month where he was giving me advice on how we could, you know, shift some stuff around. I look forward to those. Like those are the highlights of my week when we do them, you know? Yeah. Same. Yeah. It's, it's nice to just get kind of that a little bit of an outside perspective where if you're in the day to day all the time, then you, you almost get a little bit myopic. Sometimes you lose, lose perspective and then you get someone else who's aware of what's going on, but not totally like in the day to day. And it's just, it helps get those fresh eyes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I've been listening to out of beta, uh, Matt and Peter's podcast, both Tiny Seed folks. And uh, so they, they said that you, there was a retreat recently. At the end of the retreat, you gave each founder like a target number of like where you want them to be at revenue wise at the end of the program. 
That was awesome. That sounded, it was sounded kind of fascinating. It was cool. So th- we actually had multiple founders approach us privately and say, "Look, I'd like to know more about your expectations. What what do you expect? It would be a motivating factor for me to know that." And so Einar and I sat down and kind of said, "Where do we think folks should be?" You know, and there are certain folks who are ahead uh, ahead of others, so we had to adjust it. But we kind of have a blanket. It's like a one sentence description of like, "You should be here," or "You should double by this." But you know, and and. It's, it was definitely, um, it seemed to get positive response. When we announced it, we were like, look, this is, you know, we're not venture capitalists. We're not going to sit on your board and bust your chops and, and every week be like, hit this number. But having a goal of some kind to work towards shifts how you price. It shifts how you sell. You know, it shifts all these things. Um, and that, that was the reaction we got was, was, wow, yeah, that shifts a lot of my thinking. I almost want that too. Uh, but like, I, I feel like there's, there's, it's a bit of a double-edged sword where it's like suddenly a goal can sometimes take what is otherwise a success and make it feel kind of like a failure because you fell short of the goal. It could. Yep. And where you are with Tuple, I think it would almost be hard to set a goal right now because you are growing so quickly. I get your, you know, so folks know I get your kind of, inv- it's an investor update, even though you don't have investors, it's your monthly update. Um, you're growing so fast right now. I don't think I would set a goal until that kind of levels off and is more predictable, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll accept that as a, as, a, <laughs> as a problem to have. Indeed. It's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Speaking of podcasts, I'm a fan of the your your current format and what you've been doing lately. Oh, thanks, man. I think I think the extra work is is showing. So uh, consider this one vote for keeping it up. I appreciate that. Yeah, for folks who don't know, um, Mike, you know, Mike Tabor and I have hosted Startups for the Rest of Us. We hosted it for 448 episodes, and then he just took a hiatus, the first hiatus either of us had really taken. And so he was, he's been off for 10 episodes, um, and he's actually coming back next week. So he'll, yeah, we did almost an, a full hour. Normally we do about 30-minute episodes, but we did almost a full hour just because I wanted to dig into all the stuff that we had talked about last time. He was burned out. He was having some health issues. He was struggling with a lot of stuff, so... Um, yeah, so I've been doing a lot of interviews and Q and A and just trying to mix up the format. And so I, I totally appreciate that. It's definitely twice as much time, you know, if, if not more, I'm doing a lot of prep, trying to record locally to get the, you know, highest quality audio, just all those little touches we've never implemented. And, um, I feel, I think the thing I like is I, I like it. I like the art that I'm producing now. You know what I mean? I, and I've always liked it, but it's always kind of been like, oh, listen to this is fine. But like, I'm I'm almost more proud of these last 10 episodes than probably, you know, most of the last 100 episodes just because we got, you get into a rut, right? You, you do it for nine years and eventually, um, I think the change, has, it's been good for me, if nothing else. And it, general feedback has been, you know, really positive. So I appreciate that. Good. I, I think there's more personality in the episodes now. You have these like little little interjections while you're talking to the guests, or or but even just like before or after the show, just kind of just being yourself and and putting more of yourself out there, and I think that's part of what's making it more compelling. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's very been very intentional, and uh, yeah, so it's good that it that it's been working. I also feel like I can hear Sherry talking through you as you like talk to these founders about all their like mental struggles and the anguish and all that. Oh, tell me about it. Yeah, no, I've picked up obviously a lot from her, but. I think that winds up being such an interesting part of it because so, you know, I keep saying like more than half of being a founder is just managing your own psychology, right? And Sherry's like, wait, I think I said that, you know, and I, I maybe you did, maybe I did, but it's, <laughs> it is it is so interesting since we all, we all face it. And we have a b- brand new website designed for startups for the rest of us. Ooh, I just saw that. It looks great. God, thank you. Yeah. You know how those go? It's like a pain in the butt while you're doing it, you know, for six or eight weeks of like, oh, or six, oh, it's probably about four to six weeks. But once it's done, it's like, I should have done that five years ago, you know? Yeah, nice little visual refresh goes a long way, like makes you feel more proud of it. 
Yeah, that's right. And I think that went along with kind of, I mean, it, it literally was the, a week or two after I started kind of digging in and changing the format up um, that I was like, I, we need a visual refresh too. You can't just do the audio. This looks like a 10-year-old podcast. Let's make it, you know, let's try to make it new and fresh. I even, I never talked to Mike about this, but I even toyed with the idea of like, should we just start the numbering over? Like, should we literally Whoa. start over at episode mm -hmm. one? Same feed, just have a new episode one. But it was like, I, I don't know why. We, you know, I didn't really see a lot of benefit to it. And so um, yep. I want to be able to celebrate 500 when we get there. So <laughs> I see. Well, maybe you should consider having a bunch of people on and asking them That's a great questions. Yeah. How's this going for you? <laughs> <laughs> Recommended? Uh, good so far. Cool. So, some people are, are harder to wrangle into like a 10-minute clip than others. But uh, we'll, yeah. we'll see how the final product turns out. That's cool. Mm -hmm. I am also working on an unannounced secret podcast project that uh, really? is coming up. Yeah, I've been. I um, found a producer and I've been doing some things. So that'll be you know startups for the rest of us .com. Listen there. I'll certainly be talking about it there once I have it more um, more formed. I have several hours of audio. Well, not yeah, several hours of audio recorded at this point, but not um, not fully produced. So awesome, cool. Anything else you want to talk plug or talk about while you're here? Well, I mean, two things. One, I'll give you guys uh, uh, an exclusive. There may be an email out before this is, I don't know. There's an email coming out in the next week, let's say. Um, MicroConf US next year is uh, April 19th through 24th in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Hey. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So we got it out of Vegas, which was kind of a excellent thing that people wanted to do. So we've been wanting to do that for years, but there's cost. There's a whole bunch of stuff that goes to planning a conference, and finally we uh, have been able to make it work. So I'm I'm pretty Props, excited. That's great. Thanks. Not just because it's here where I am, but just that it's we don't have to go back to Vegas next year. You know. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I will not miss the Smoky Casinos. <laughs> yeah, indeed, me as well. And then and we have we have some great food recommendations here in Minneapolis too. I'm really excited to take people around to like my favorite burger spot and some of the favorite uh, you know speakeasies and stuff. I think it's gonna be a good time. Yeah, it's a great city to entertain. Awesome. And, yeah. So I'm, I'm excited awesome. about and that. And I'll, I'll just crash at your place, Derek. So that'll be that'll work on. Yeah. So there you go. I got it. I have, hey, man, I have a basement. You know. I Perfect. love it. Bootstrapper life. That's that's <laughs> the best. And then Microgolf Europe's in Croatia here in about two months, end of October. If folks want a little uh, little vacay, we're lining up speakers for that right now. So it's been awesome. that's been fun as well. Yeah. Cool. Well, hey, Rob, thanks for coming on, and thanks for being a guest in the past and sharing your your knowledge. Absolutely, man. Thanks so much for inviting me back on. And again, you know, congratulations, hearty congratulations on uh, on making it to 100 episodes. Thanks a lot. Thank you. All right. It is time for the one and only Mr. Paul Jarvis. Hello, sir. Oh, hi. How's it going? It is definitely going. I feel like I'm running around with my head cut off a little today, but yeah. You said you said you're recording something. I'm re-recording all of the videos for my Mailchimp course at the moment, which requires recording myself, recording screencast, and then because I don't like the way that any of these software products compress audio, I'm also recording the audio on another separate program. So I've got three. Pro I, f I feel like there's a better way, but I just haven't found a better way. Oh no. Yeah, I've experienced this. It's like, do, are, do you do the separate audio track? Yes, because it sounds it sounds compressed. It sounds compressed. Like I'm using Camtasia. I tried a whole bunch of other programs. It sounds compressed, and it might just be me who can hear it. But I don't like the compressor. Like I have a super expensive mic and setup and mixing board and everything. I'm like I want people to hear how awesome my equipment is. Totally. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's legit. I, I appreciate obsessing over those things. Oh, yeah. Even if no one really notices. Exactly. I, I, I You'll notice. I will. I When I <laughs> released my last course, I went through and I edited out like breaths. Yeah. And like little mouth noises. And I went, I went pretty hard. Yeah, I do the same thing. I have, I can hear, so, like you develop such neuroses too. Like I can hear when my tongue leaves the roof of my mouth yeah. on the audio. And I'm like, I don't like that sound. So like ever, and I do that probably once a minute. And it's like, okay, <laughs> yep. I, I've, I, nobody else can hear this except for me. Yeah. Editing that audio myself was such a stupid idea. Oh, I know. I should have just given it to somebody else because I have I have an editor and an engineer for my show. Yeah, I should just hire them to do my courses as well. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if I ever make another one, I will not be doing that. I get the content right, but all those little breaths and stuff, man, that was that was ridiculous. Oh, exactly. I I pay my editor for my podcast way too little. I found. Hopefully, he's not listening to this. <laughs> we play, pay ours plenty i'll have you know yes they are paid very fairly <laughs> yeah so so what's going on in your life uh fathom is taking up other than like the course stuff like jack and i are trying to get a new version of fathom out the door in probably the next 30 or 40 days and where you're rebuilding it, which I don't want to have to do again. Like in theory, like you probably feel the same way as like a software guy. Like it always seems like such a good idea to like, oh, we've learned so much. Like, let's just start from scratch and build <laughs> it. We feature froze a bunch of times. Obviously, we don't understand what feature freezing means, <laughs> but it is feature so chill. much. <laughs> feature chill. Yeah. So we've learned a lot, but it's also like, uh, we're trying to get it to a place where we can add a feature without having to rebuild the, all of it. We want it to be fucking awesome. Sorry, I don't know if I can swear. But like we want it to be so so good. And it's get and like it's getting there, but the progress on that is so slow and so tedious. Like I've redesigned even just the interface. I've redesigned the interface three times. Nobody will ever see the first two versions of it, but it just it wasn't at the level that I wanted it to be at, even with the code. Like we're trying to shave off like nanoseconds of our collector loading and like changing DNS providers a bunch of times where like, oh, the DNS lookup is taking like just a tiny bit too long. We're like, this isn't good enough. So I like it. That's great. Yeah. I mean I mean it's it's tough, right? It's like when do you stop possessing and actually ship the thing? We were just having this debate today. Like we have this this little feature that no one really like maybe a couple people asked for it but like it was just a small thing that we built into tuple and it's complicated and so it makes other things complicated it interacts with other things it's like well i i like that it does it the right way and it's annoying for us but i like that it is just good yeah i will caveat that with the fact that the reason we're doing this is because fathom is making money and growing and the first version we were just like let's just get this out especially since it's open source. Like, we'll get this out. People are going to add a bunch of, like, issues on GitHub. (laughs) We'll fix it as we go. It's not production. Now it is production. Now we are tracking millions of page views a month for our clients. It's making money. And we're like, okay, we want this to be more valuable to more people. So we're actually spending way more time 
on V2 than we did on V1 because V1 we just we wanted to get that thing out the door because we wanted to see if it would like float or blend or whatever the kids say these days (laughs) (laughs) so yeah that's that's savvy so now you've you've earned the right to obsess yes hopefully that's what I tell my neurotic self is that that is the case Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't like your pricing I think you can I think we can make it better we we've actually had a ton of conversations about pricing and we're like we do think that we could make it better but then we're looking at it and we're like all of these people are paying for this at because we're always like well if we just make it cheaper maybe more people will buy it no, no. and then yeah we have to we've, we've stopped ourselves a bunch of times we're like people are buying this and people are buying this at half the features that we're going to have in v2 and it's like we want this for the long term like i don't want to just like churn and burn through some like growth hacking of getting all of these people in and then all of them leaving like we have almost no churn and people are signing up for v1 which i think is valuable but v2 is going to be even more valuable and so we've we've debated this internally a bunch of times with pricing and we're like we got to keep it where it is like this is where it needs to be in order for us to keep working on this as well which i think is so important for a business. Like I don't want Fathom to just be like around and then gone tomorrow. Like I want to keep like my current business I've had for 21 years. Like I want Fathom to be decades of, of value for people. So it has to be priced in a way that works for people, but also that works for us as a business. I think you could double every number on this page and it would just work. <laughs> yeah. For what it's worth. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't disagree. Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. All right. Well, that'll be $10,000. <laughs> For everybody per month. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm excited to see where this goes. This, by the way, for people is, is privacy-focused analytics, which is so hot right now. Such a good it niche is. to be in. It's so funny, too, because like we launched it on the day that Mark Zuckerberg was testifying in Congress in Amazing. u.s congress for privacy guy. violations. And we're like, this is so lucky for yeah. us. It's great when you catch a so. wave like that. Exactly. And I do love surfing. So <laughs> nice. Cool. So course work, fathom stuff, redesigning interfaces multiple times. Yeah. Just living the dream of the independent maker. Exactly. It's uh, a lot of work, but also it's summer too, man. Like I'm, I've also been traveling a whole lot because like, why not? It's, it's hard to not feel guilty about that. I feel like there's a maker's dilemma with this. I think Derek feels this pretty hard too. You, know, you probably do as well. Where it's like, I feel guilty if I'm working too much, but then I feel guilty if I'm not working. So either way, I feel guilty. <laughs> I think it's also my fault yeah. that I grew up Catholic. So you're just supposed to feel guilty about all of the things at all times. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, mission accomplished. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised at how often I've set myself up for those like double binds where like I, I feel bad either way. Exactly. <laughs> so it's just what a what a life. Yeah. Yeah. That's all right. We'll 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 figure this brain stuff out. I think another thirty or forty years and like I'll I'll really understand how to just stay calm. Exactly. Me too. I, I've got to double the amount of meditation I do or something or ten X my meditation. I got a growth hack meditating. Yeah, I want you to double every meditation number on this page. Exactly. I need to win at yoga. That's the other thing. <laughs> just, just. Yes. Competitive yoga should, should be a thing, right? <laughs> I feel like the, the world is ready for this. Yes. The millennials lead that up. All right. Well, now, now we're really we're reaching. So yeah. I just wanted to say, hey, thanks for coming on the podcast a couple times. Uh, yeah. even, even the ones that didn't go so well. 
Um, <laughs> it was, it's been great to have you as part of the podcast. So thanks for being on. Yeah, no, thanks, man. It's such a great show. And I think people get so much value from it. So I'm just, I'm just happy to, to be chatting in people's earballs that listen to this show. Oh, yeah, me too. Well, thanks again. Bye, Paul. Cheers. All right. We have our next repeat guest, and it is Mr. Rahul Vora. How's it going, man? Going well. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. It's good to have you back. Um, by the way, you should know you have the, I believe you have the current honor of having the most downloaded Art of Product episode so far. No way. How many? Assuming that you want to share that on your podcast. <laughs> uh, I, haven't looked, I haven't looked a little while. It was somewhere in like the 15,000s, somewhere in there. Damn. Cool. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Appreciate the shout out. I think I remember seeing it up in the corner, a little superhuman announcement, which we appreciated. That was exciting for me. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. Uh, and for those who don't know what we're talking about, there's a little dot up in the, the top right hand side of superhuman where we announce new features. And a few people have asked me actually how we do that. Uh, that isn't in-house technology. That's a really cool startup called Headway. And you can add that little dot to any product. Mm, we might need to do that. We're something I'm noticing is like, so we will do announcement emails talking about our new features, and then like a couple of weeks later, people be like, "What is this thing? I haven't seen this." And like they're they're not really reading it. Some people are. Yeah, but I think the, I think the in-app version is a nice option to have there. Yeah, agreed. So what's been going on? It's been a couple months since we talked to you. Anything uh, new and exciting in your world? Yeah. So uh, well, we announced the Series B as as you saw. Uh, that was uh, since our conversation. That was super exciting as a result, kicked off a whole spate of hiring. So I don't remember exactly how large we were uh, when we had our last conversation, but we are now at 35 people, uh, well on our way to be around 60 by the end of this year. Wow. I, I remember last time I talked to you, I was asking you like what your, your week broke down to time-wise, and you, you actually had that number, which is kind of amazing. And I think you said you were spending 20% of your time on hiring back then. Has that gone up since then? What I'm aiming for is around 30% of my time to go into recruiting. Uh, and some weeks that's 40%, some weeks it's a little bit less. Uh, I think when you and I spoke, I was doing a bunch of PR activity and sort of the fallout from raising the financing. Uh, so we're now back up to normal levels of recruiting for me. Do you actually have like web browser access to the bank account where like $33 million got dumped into? Uh, yeah. I guess I do. <laughs> I like, what's that like? What's it like? Um, you know what? It doesn't really feel like anything. My dad asked me a similar question over the weekend. We were catching up and he said, Hey, uh, Superhuman was in the Sunday Times in the UK this last Sunday. What does that feel like? And I said, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't really feel like anything, to be honest. I mean, it's good. It's, it's great. Obviously, I'm not saying otherwise, but... Feels like responsibility, I guess, in both cases. I feel like we have such a strong ability to adapt to whatever happens and make that the new normal. And you're just like, yeah, just it feels like I'm, I'm doing the thing I'm doing. Yeah, exactly. With the money specifically, my, my first thing was to urgently invest it. Uh, because even with the, the recent interest rate cuts, you, you can still make a, a decent amount of money off interest from $40 million or so. Yeah, go figure. Yeah. So hiring a lot, making interest off money, continuing to work on the app. Still a happy user, by the way. Fantastic. We have, uh, oh, I'm, I'm super excited for next week's release. When is this episode airing? Uh, it'll probably be next week when it comes out. Ooh, so probably, you won't be spoiling anything, I don't think. <laughs> well, I, I don't mind. Uh, I'm always happy to talk about upcoming releases. Yeah, we have a, a really exciting 
uh, visual refresh for the iOS app coming up. Um, it's a lot faster, it's a lot cleaner, and most importantly, uh, we have reworked the legibility all the way through the app. And so now it's just it's a much more pleasant place to spend time in, which I know was uh, contrast was one of the concerns that folks had. And, and so we've improved that considerably now. Nice. I, I love a good visual refresh. It's so satisfying to ship those things. It is, yeah. We redid our marketing site recently and just having like a new identity out there, it feels, it feels good. Nice. That's fantastic. Yeah. Cool. So anything else going on? personal side anything else you want to chat about let's see uh i got a new puppy i got a new puppy no about four or five uh weeks ago he's incredible the sweetest little thing uh he's an alaskan klikai so an alaskan klikai is imagine a siberian husky but uh it's super super small so at adult weight he'll be about 15 pounds He's a tiny little bundle of love. This is my second Alaskan Klikai. Normally they are paranoid and neurotic and actually very difficult dogs. Uh, I know you're a fan of frameworks. Of course, I applied a framework to this. So there's this thing called the, the Volhard test, which uh, originated in the, the 50s, which allows you to accurately predict the future personality of a dog by doing some basic psychometric tests at age seven weeks. It turns out at seven weeks of age, there is uh, enough nature and not enough nurture that you can actually accurately predict personality. So I interviewed five different breeders, did this test on an, any number of different dogs, uh, and I found an Alaskan Klikai with the loving, pleasing personality of a Labrador. Did you ask it uh, how disappointed it would be if it could no longer be your dog? I think... Uh, I. I I could guess he would be very disappointed <laughs> based right. on his actions. <laughs> awesome. You've got to be busy at work. Adding a puppy responsibility to that is like no joke. Sure. I, I think a lot of people question the timing as well. And I think we talked a little bit about, about mental health and wellness last time. Uh, I think it's super important to have stuff outside of work. And I get very into whatever I'm doing. I suspect like the vast majority of founders... Uh, and it's been really grounding and very healthy uh, to have a little puppy to take care of. And yeah, they, they, they take a lot of work. First of all, there's like the emotional benefits of a dog. Like it reduces blood pressure, makes you feel good. It's, and also, I imagine it kind of gets you a little bit out of your own head. It does. It does. I think founders especially have a take care of stuff mentality. It's good to to take care of a, a super dependent in this way, you know, just like a, a little baby that basically can't do anything for themselves. All right. Well, I, I'm glad you could stop by, uh, give us a quick update. I wanted to thank you also for being on the podcast in the past and uh, say uh, thanks for being on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me again. And, and congratulations on reaching 100 episodes. That's incredible. Thank you. Yeah, it feels great. All right. Take care. Cool, cool. Bye-bye. All right, our next person is Mr. Steve Sugar, the famous, the always mentioned. How's it going, dude? Yeah, good. Yourself? Uh, I'm good. I am uh, approaching highly caffeinated, so I'm ready to go. Oh, yeah. I've only had one coffee today, so I'm going to brew one right after we finish here. Nice. <laughs> I make this uh, jet fuel in the morning that's like this really intense like French roast kind of stuff, and I make it like triple strength, and it's kind of amazing. Okay. I just get, uh, my wife works at Starbucks like part-time. Oh, nice. So we get free coffee. Like she gets like mark out every week. So she gets a bag of coffee every week and I do the French press thing. So nice. Um, yeah. My stomach hates me when I do this, but my brain loves it. Yeah. 
Yeah. How much coffee do you drink? Uh, it's, it's probably like two to three a day, I would say. Yeah, that's fair. That's, that's, I'm the same. Yeah. Um, okay. So it's good to have you on the podcast. You come up a lot in passing. Um, yep. And also, I did, I did want to thank you uh, publicly for your work on the new Tuple landing page. We're getting lots of compliments on it. People are, are into it. And I, I'm very psyched with how it turned out. Yeah, uh, I, have, I had a lot of fun with that. It was great because I got to, you know, I got to recycle that and use it into a talk I gave at Laracon this year. Um, so I kind of got to kill two birds with one stone. So, you know, it, it came at a great time because I was working on your site and I was I was kind of coming up to Laracon and I haven't even started a talk yet. And I just thought it would make a great case study. And I kind of just uh, got to think about how I prepare my talk as I designed it and think, thought about like what I was thinking about. I got to articulate my ideas clearly. So yeah, that's super nice. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's 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 great for us also because like typically these are recorded and then so it's like becomes like almost a, a marketing thing later on. So yeah, exactly. And I always try to like turn it into like good little tweets and stuff, like sharing my ideas. So it works for me. It works. It works. It's win win for everyone, right? It is. That's so nice about the fact that like you kind of sell design advice as well. You can sort of turn your consulting stuff into that. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's actually that's a good way to put it. Like, I can if I ever do a lot of freelancing again, I can like almost like charge an additional fee for like <laughs> marketing their stuff through my platforms. I mean, that's not <laughs> it's not crazy. No, it's not. <laughs> Just make a refactoring UI video every single time I get a client, and then like you said, you got a lot of uh, hits when we for your for Tupo when I made the refactoring UI video. You got a lot of signups from that. So totally. Uh, yeah, think, that's great. That's I think that was our biggest sign up day. Actually, was when that video came out. Perfect. That's yeah. great to know. I, I'm doing. Uh, I'm recording another video uh, as we speak. Well, not as we speak, but like this week, I'm making another video, and I'm using uh, Justin Jackson's product transistor for the for the example. Um, so yeah, it's great. I always like to help out friends when it comes to that stuff um, to help promote their products, and um, usually they make great case studies. So mm-hmm. yeah. They have a, a pretty good landing page. I'm curious to see uh, what you're gonna, what you're going to do with it. Yeah, I'm doing the internal page. I'm doing the, the app uh, itself, I see. and their app doesn't look too bad. There's not a lot of flaws with it. Um, I was kind of digging around on their app. Like I, um, like Justin gave me access to some of his logins, and I just kind of found a page. Like you know, I saw a lot of little quick wins. Like I don't want to use examples for refactoring UI where they're completely like. I pretty much have to start from scratch. I always like to find ones that have just like more like quick wins to them so I can kind of cover everything in like a 10, 15 minute video. That makes perfect sense, actually. Yeah. How did Justin score you? That's great. Did he just ask if you were free? Um, I was honestly like, I was kind of just digging around for a new video uh, to make because everyone's been asking me to make one. And I reached out to Justin. I said, hey, can I take a look at your transistor <laughs> app? I because <laughs> uh-huh. like justin always kind of he does his live streams right and um i always kind of tune in and i kind of see what he messages me and asks me like recently he messaged me to ask me to uh provide him with stuff that i'm working on for the the next project i'm working on with adam which is tailwind ui and uh he asked if he can have access to that stuff and i sent it over so cl- like clearly he does he needs some like designs like input every now and then so uh, i thought it'd be i take a look at his app and, and see what could be done there Nice. So we had Adam on a couple weeks ago, and he sort of said that you guys were going to be working on Tailwind UI, I think it's called. That's right. Yeah, that's like the kind of the working title for it right now. We're still like 
trying to figure what we're going to call it and really what it is exactly. You know what I mean? Like him and I work out twice a week. Like I go to this place, we lift weights and there's pretty much business meetings. We're like, you know, we're lifting weights. So that's great. Pulling off some steam. But uh, we're just talking about like how we're going to market this thing, how we're going to, what we're going to call it really, what we're going to deliver. So um, yeah, that's awesome. I'm pretty excited to dive into that one. I always like working with Adam at the end of refactoring UI, it was kind of bittersweet for me. It was like when we finished the book, I was really happy to get it out there and launch it. But I really enjoyed the process of just working on it with Adam, jumping on calls with him every day um, and, and finishing. So when leading up to the end of it, I didn't know what I was going to work on next, if I was going to be working with Adam next or if I was going to be working on anything next. Uh, but then it occurred to us that we can work on this next project. So that made me happy. But uh yeah, it's it's funny. That's how that's how it is. Like I always enjoy working on the product. It's always fun to like launch something, but the exciting stuff is just kind of the not knowing almost of like if it's gonna do well and just solving those problems to finish it. Right. Totally. Yeah. It's also so nice. This is the thing I love about our setup is like being able to exercise and talk about work, like get two things done simultaneously. Yeah. Exactly. Our workouts like they, they take like. Um, sometimes I'm there for like three hours because we're just chit chatting. Like we do intense workouts. Like we do like he does like powerlifting, and he's essentially my coach when I'm doing it. And uh, but in between like lifts, we're just talking about like what could we be, you know, what's what are we doing here with the so yeah yeah. I'm jumping on a call with him right after this call to figure out what uh, to talk about the marketing of Tailwind UI and try to figure out a way we can turn it into the same like marketing powerhouse that refactoring UI was. So trying to figure out a way to like uh, deliver new content on Twitter or wh- whatever medium we, you know, when we choose. So, yeah. I think that's worth people noticing is that the product is not built yet, but you're having a, a meeting to discuss the marketing. Yeah. The product is essentially like refactoring UI itself took like three, four months to like write from the, when we like wrote the first word to finishing it. But we spent 18 months before that marketing it right so without so that's really where the hard work is and that's the fun stuff so totally and that's where you get a runaway product if you have the right thing yeah yeah all right well say hi to adam for me when you talk to him and uh thanks for stopping by and letting us know what's going on great thanks take care man so that's it that is our 100th episode of the art of product podcast now before i go i would be remiss if i did not point out the best part about having a podcast, which is all of you listening, in particular, those of you that have reached out in the past to DM us or email us and say that the podcast has been useful for you. Thank you so much for that. That really makes it uh, even more fun to do this. Uh, So thanks for saying hi. Thanks for listening. And thanks for joining us for this 100th episode. As always, show notes can be found at artofproductpodcast.com. Thank you from me and Derek so much for listening.